Okay. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, crazy, crazy NFL weekend, huh, Matt? Uh, Best one in history, right? Honestly, pretty crazy stuff. All right, guys. So today we're going to be basically giving our reactions to the past probably best divisional round um, in NFL history, at least recent history for sure. Um, so we're going to basically recap uh, the Bengals-Titans game, uh, Niners-Packers, Rams-Bucks, and then Bills-Chiefs. Uh, we'll also be getting into uh, some Sean Payton news, um, giving you our preview for next weekend. Uh, and then we got some... MLB Hall of Fame stuff, UH football and basketball stuff, and then a little uh, Today's Day in Sports by Matt at the end of it. So without further ado, let's just hop right into it, Matt, because this weekend's games were like the some of the craziest things I've ever seen. Um, the three games ending on a walk-off field goal, one game going into overtime, um, just – I mean, the NFL probably – this is like their dream scenario of a weekend that could possibly happen. Even for all the networks too, like every single game was close. A walk-off. Yeah. Right? Yeah, literally a walk-off in every single game. This one was a little – I mean, a little suspicious about how good these games are. I don't know if Roger had a little, you know, pulling some strings in there. Um, but anyway, now nah, let, let's get into it. So Cincinnati and Tennessee, my big takeaways from this game, honestly, is that, um, I guess the Bengals like defense did enough. Cause I mean, the offense really, you know, didn't do much. Joe Burrow got sacked like nine times, I think, um, it's a playoff record, right? It's a playoff record. Nine times getting sacked. And I mean, you know, his line isn't Crazy. great, right? It's, it's not great. Obviously, they tried to buff it up after he got hurt last season. So, you know, that was a big focal point um, for the Bengals offseason, trying to improve their line and stuff. So, I mean, okay, nine sacks, granted, that can't be all on the line. Like, I'm sorry, at some point, um, like I know I remember one game, uh, Marcus got sacked like eight times or something. Um, but, but like, regardless, I don't care how good or bad your O line is, if you're getting sacked nine times, that's on the play calling, that's on uh, the coaching, not making any adjustments. And honestly, it's a little bit on Joe, not you know, maybe not moving, but you know, not checking or taking his hot route or something like that. Um, that's a nine sacks is a collaborative effort. Uh, I'm sorry, but some of those were definitely covered sacks. Um, Tennessee's defense also came to play. You know, I mean, Tannehill kind of put them in terrible spots uh, that we'll get into. But, you know, they really did. I thought they did as well as they possibly could. You know, they only held they held the Bengals to under um, was it was under 20 points, right? Because it was. 1916 final score um you know so they helped they I, I felt like they did their job um and but when it came down to it you know 
Joey, Joe Shiesty, Joe Burr, <laughs> Joey B, Joey B got it done after getting sacked nine times, still managed to pull it off. Um, but you know, you give a team that many chances, uh, an offense like that, that many chances, uh, they're gonna make you pay. And I know one of my friends is a really, really big Titan fan. Um, so it was a tough weekend for him, but man, I just cannot believe that last interception, um, by Tannehill there. Just, I don't like, he was just forcing it. Um, that last throw that ended up leading to an interception, regardless, they had, he had three on the day. So the first one kind of similar, he was trying to force the ball to Julio Jones, Second one, I mean, the defender made a great play on it. I don't know if there's a check out of that, like, kind of bubble screen um, that you can – if there's even a check out of that. Um, but the defender, like, made a hell of a play. At least it, they didn't give up a touchdown there. But this – I think this is going to start to cause some, you know, legitimate questions into whether Ryan Tannehill is a franchise, you know, quarterback. Um, they paid him already, though, so they're kind of stuck with him. I don't think anyone's going to take that contract at this point. Um, but I think a kind of disappointing uh, takeaway for me this game was just their use of Derrick Henry. The Titans' use of Derrick Henry. Um, I don't know if you watched the game, Matt, but he was not their best running back uh, by far. Those even I thought Foreman and even their second back like Hilliard or something, the two guys that were in, yeah, who were in in place of Henry throughout the, like, you could tell from, like, the first quarter, Derrick Henry, he just didn't have that, you know, burst or, um, you know, those, the agility that he had before. I mean, yeah, he's a big guy, but, you know, he had that break, he has that breakaway speed, and he just looked, he didn't look right. And I think they kept just trying to force it to him. Um, kind of took them out of rhythm here and there. But, um, I mean, the defense gave him a shot at the end. And, yeah, Tannehill just couldn't make the couldn't make the play. And McPherson made the kick. So, um, I don't know. A lot of takeaways there. But I mean, yeah, for me, I think starting with the Bengals, um, you know, you mentioned that they had, what, nine sacks? Mm-hmm. So it's like, I still don't understand why. I guess it's Zach Taylor's fault, I guess. Right? Is he the play caller for them? I think he is. He is? I thought he was. Because there was one point, maybe like in the middle of the season, when they kind of hit their stride when Joe Mixon was going right? off, right? He was getting like what, 25, 25, 30 mm-hmm. touches a game. And he was, you know, over 100 yards, you know. I think that's the way they gotta they gotta play. They gotta play through him and not put so much pressure on you know Joe Burrow to drop back forty times a game with that line, because as an offensive lineman, it's easier to run block than to pass block. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, I think they gotta start you know going through the other Joe <laughs> a little more. But then, <laughs> I mean, the thing that also makes me sick too for the Bengals, and it's a good thing that they do. They have this guy, Evan McPherson. He is a dog, man. I like him. He's good. That dude is a stud. It makes me so sad watching him or 
Harrison Butker or Tucker, even Matt Gay, Justin <laughs> Tucker. It just makes me like, oh, like man, if Dallas had any of those guys, I would have like you know a little <laughs> more, you know, trust in my team. Yeah, Zerline <laughs> makes pulled out me so nervous. many hairs. Zerline makes me nervous every time he steps up. Yeah, he, like but, even though he can hit the sixty-yard bomb. But I yeah. think yeah, this. You know, this game and then obviously this week showed, you know, the, the value of a good kicker. Mm-hmm. So I got to shout out them. Did you hear but what he said? Guess, Did you yeah, hear what he McPherson said? Oh, looks, said? Like, looks like we're going to the AFC championship before he kicks the ball. Before he kicked the ball. <laughs> That's cold. That's ballsy. That's cold. And he hit it too. So no, I heard he, that. He I was drilled like, oh. it. It was right down the middle. Oh, way. yeah. Yeah, and he but yeah. he has a huge leg too. Like he doesn't miss from he like barely misses from fifty plus. But yeah, ah, that's crazy. Yeah, good. I mean, the one seeds, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, and then my I mean I think this is kind of our took takeaway for I would say you two, but I don't think you can win a, a Super Bowl at Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> I, I mean. He- it's just he, so frustrating, I think, because he made I think some. You can win with him. He that okay that that touchdown though he had to AJ Brown, like uh up the sideline. Yeah, I saw where, that. That was literally he just dropped it right in his a pocket. perfect throw right in his hand. I mean, AJ ran the perfect route too, and he made you know oh. the one handed catch. But I I gotta mm-hmm. get like Tannehill literally made like a perfect throw. He didn't even have to move his hand to catch the ball so it's just like you see things like that and like he has a little bit of like straight line speed too like i think people don't don't really grasp that yeah um but he has a little bit of straight line speed yeah yeah and but then you know he just makes kind of decision like certain throws you just kind of like scratch your head it's like what are you doing um on that last play though i mean it was what third down when he threw the pick it was like third down third and ten on like Close to midfield. Yeah, because even if you don't it's like, get oh, it, what are you doing? Like, it's too risky to. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't. It's not like the guy was like, you know, single covered. Like there was like two, three guys, you know, two, three mm-hmm. defenders around them. It's like at that point you got to cut your loss and punt the ball and just you know you'll go to overtime at least. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I I think a big theme of this weekend too, Matt. Um. I think people really start to notice coaching and um, decisions and just everything that entails coaching in the playoffs. So in this game, I don't know if you you saw this, but uh, so Tennessee had scored a touchdown early um, to make it six six, and right. there was a yeah there was a penalty right on the Bengals, um, so the ball got pushed to the one yard line, and. You know, I personally don't have a problem. I mean, you're one yard away. You know, I guess, you know, um, in that situation, if you can get to, you might as well try if you're that close and you have Derrick Henry, right? But they didn't get it. Um, And, you know, basically at the end of the game, the Bengals are playing. uh, They need three, right, Um, to tie like later in that game. So in that, I'm just saying that one point made, I think just such a huge difference um, in that game. And so. It's a momentum killer too. I mean, yeah. You take the lead, right? You just kick the point. Extra yeah. Point. Yeah. And it, it, it would, you know, I think he already made it too. So 
Um, but yeah, like I'm that's gonna be a theme as we talk about uh, the rest of the games here. But uh, big win for Cincinnati. I mean, I think like you said, the key next week is gonna be uh, to see how they can establish the run a little bit more. Yeah, um, they don't win unless Joe Mixon, you know, does Joe Mixon things. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree there. But yeah, tough, tough way for Tennessee to end the season. Like I really thought they were gonna be. Um, they were going to win this game just because like it was, they're like the most slept on like one seed I can remember. Um, they just find ways to win. They're at home, you know, like the King comes back and I was like, okay, people are still sleeping on them. But I mean, I guess at the end of the day, they made Cincinnati made like a couple more plays. So um, yeah, that's well, less turnovers too. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Three turnovers don't help. Yep. All right. Well, good for Cincinnati. I'm looking for Tennessee. All right. Moving on to the next game on our uh, super divisional round weekend. So the 49ers go into Green Bay. Aaron Rodgers, you know, the number one. Seed. Wait, 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 wait. Let, me, let me stop you. Let me stop you right there. <laughs> I think we got to give a moment of silence to, uh, to our oh, yeah. fellow uh, guest speaker. That's Booking right. Randy. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, Randy's a big diehard Packers fan. Sorry, bud. Um, I called him after the game. He was like, like he his face was like a mix between like disgusted, dep- like depressed and sad. Like it was like it wasn't like he was just sad or he was just mad or it was like his face like encapsulated all of those emotions like into one like and I, I, I felt so bad talking to him. Um, that brings me so much joy <laughs> now um, you know how it feels randy huh you make fun of me two weeks ago <laughs> oh man but yeah um this game you know i mean they're just not too much to say um at least i mean actually well i'm sorry not too much to say there's a lot to say probably about this game. Um, not a lot to show. That's what I meant to say. Not a lot to show for that Packers offense, that highly coveted, you know, Packers offense. Aaron Rodgers, you know, probably an MVP favorite, I would think. I would give it probably just give He's him the win MVP. This year, I think. Yeah. Um, after all the controversy, you know, the offseason, where is he going to play? Is he going to come back? Yada, yada fight through all the noise, you know, he's going on the Pat McAfee show, everything's going good. Um, and then, you know, they kind of just laid an egg uh, against the 49ers who I thought looked terrible. <laughs> like I thought their offense for a, all but the last drive of the game, pretty much, or, or like a couple drives in the whole game just looked awful. Like they could not move. They, like they couldn't run on the green Bay defense, Jimmy G, like, you know, granted, there were a couple drops by his receivers. Kittle had a big drop wide open over the middle. Um, I think Johnson had another big drop on third down, killed one of their drives. But, I mean, he threw that horrible pick, too, like, in the snow. Like, so, I mean, I still still can't trust Jimmy G, but he's somehow winning these games. I don't know how. Um, But, I mean, Rodgers, I thought it was going to be a blowout. You know, they scored on their first, the opening drive, like just boom, 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 down the field. 
Um, but I think a big momentum shift was on that second drive. You know, here they are again, rolling along. And then he hits his tight end and he fumbles the ball. And then it's like, oh, boy, here we go. Um, but, I mean, just kind of, you know, there's a special teams mistakes. I don't know how you they let... had how many special... Th- Wait, for the Niners or the Packers? No, for the Packers. Oh, they had a lot of special teams. I, just, I mean, that's why, like, I'm... You know, everyone's, like, killing Rodgers. You know, he deserves... Definitely deserves his share of blame, you know, because, I mean, he is the MVP probably two times in a row. They're at home. Everyone is healthy. They have everyone back, you know. Um, I mean, his line wasn't perfect, but for you know it's as good as you're gonna get pretty much in the in the for a playoff game so you know i yeah he definitely deserves some blame for how he played took a couple bad sacks here and there you know um but i just think yeah the coaching like came back it was that those special teams mistakes killed him um because yeah he hit jones aaron jones wide open on the sideline and aaron jones i don't know if he thought he was gonna get caught on that play but he kind of like stutter stepped to try to juke the safety who ended up catching him. He didn't even get out of bounds on that play. So, you know, they had <laughs> yeah. to burn a timeout. Um, so they couldn't even run one more play. Just like stuff like that. I, th- I think that all has to come back to coaching at some point, right? You know, like telling your players, hey, in this situation, you got to know the game. You got to know, you know, the clock and you got to get out of bounds if you can. Um, because who knows, maybe they run one more play, right? Get a little bit closer or something, and the field goal doesn't get blocked. Um, just so many points left on the board um, for Green Bay. So, I mean, I know everyone kills, like, Rodgers. I, I like Aaron. I mean, I definitely think he deserves a, um, a lot of the blame for this loss, only putting up that many points at home. Uh, but it was definitely – he put – he did enough to put them in a situation to win the game. But, you know, when your punts and field goals are getting blocked, I mean, that's a not 10-point swing off special teams. So that's just inexcusable to me in the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't – okay, you can go, I think, go ahead. Well, the one other special teams blunder that kind of gets overlooked too, other than the, the kicks, obviously, is uh, at the start of the second half. They gave up a big kickoff return to Debo, and he got oh, to like right. midfield. Yeah, and then they, what? They ended up getting three points. So you tackle Debo maybe twenty yards shorter, they punt the ball, right? Yeah, and that yeah. was the difference in the game. So I think those little things kind of go unnoticed. All those special teams. Yeah, yeah. But all, special teams, man. It's all, <laughs> all on them. But I mean, going into this game, I actually thought the Niners were equipped to to beat the Packers. Like. Their type of offense that's, was that's built style. for the snow. Mm-hmm. Yep. Run the ball, keep Aaron off the field. Uh, I mean, obviously, they didn't start so well. Um, you know, but three and out, they're getting sacked. You know, Kittle and Ayuk dropping balls all over the place. Yeah. I but, I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of credit needs <clears throat> to be given to the Niners defense. Oh, yeah. You hold Aaron Rodgers to 10 points at home. I mean, you know. You're doing something right, I think. And I think, you know, they did make an adjustment as the game went on. I don't know if you watched the game too, but on the first drive when they when the Packers scored, Devontae was getting, you know, I think he had like four, four or five catches on the first drive. 
all single coverage, like, you know, playing zone. He just sits in the soft spot, yeah, pitch and yeah. catch. But then as the game went on, they started bringing the help. Yeah. You know, so they were double teaming him and that forced Rogers to obviously mm-hmm. go to Aaron Jones. But I mean, if you take away Devante, you got to, that's, that's how you beat Aaron too, right? Yeah. Take away that guy. Mm-hmm. So I think they did a great job with that. Yeah. And I, yeah, going off that point right there, uh, that last drive that they had, you know, um, Rogers threw a bomb, right? To the, Just threw Devante. it up for grabs though. Yeah. Double in, in double coverage. Yeah. When they replayed the play, I think it was either Lazard or Lazard. MVS. It was Lazard, wide right? Open, Coming yeah. wide open yeah. uh, on the underneath, like, crossing mm-hmm. route there. So I think that kind of just shows, you know, like, um, I don't want to – I don't know if it's a trust level thing uh, between the different receivers, uh, which to me is kind of that one separator between Brady and Rodgers. Um, Brady just trusts all his guys a little bit more. Like, so much so, you know, like, how many times this year, or I can think of at least two times this year, Brady, right? The game-winning touchdown um, against one against the Bills, one against the Jets. That's not Mike Evans. That's not, you know, Gronk. That wasn't Godwin at the time, you know. It wasn't A.B. He's going to his, like, third, fourth, fifth string Earl guys. Grayson or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, that barely, you know, don't get many catches, right? But you know, crunch time, Rogers trust Devontae to make the play. Um, I mean, it was, he gave him a decent shot, actually. Uh, Devontae was probably half a step or one step away from probably making an insane circus catch. And honestly, they probably, I mean, 50-50 chance with the Packers special teams, they make the kick from there, right? But, um, but I mean, he gave him a shot, but I think that all ties back to just, um, that's why I, as much as I think Rogers is such a prolific passer, why Brady just has that little like edge over him, um, just from a winning, like team philosophy standpoint kind of thing. Um, but yeah, that, that, that I thought was a, was a really, um, interesting, uh, play right there. So I also, I mean, I also want to kind of point this out, and I know a lot of people might disagree with this, but other than I'm going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo here. So obviously he threw that that horrible interception. Mm-hmm. But if you take away that play, I actually thought he was playing pretty good because he got a lot of drops yeah, that there were should have been caught. So yeah, and those are big drops too, like third down conversions, like. You know, big, you it would have been huge drive. chunk plays and, too. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think. Oh yeah, I have a 49er fans. You know, they're oh Jimmy G. Like he's so lucky. Like he's so junk. But <laughs> you know, honestly, when the time came, he made those throws to Kittle to Samuel yep. for that game-winning drive. So that was just, I think, yeah, yep, I agree. That was his little Brady-esque moment, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, so, I mean, I don't I, think he played that bad as people think. Yeah. I'm on the, I, I agree with you because I think, I think we said this last week too. He has like that Tua like media association. Like they just love to bash on Jimmy G and they like, just kind of like how they bash on Tua, you know, like he doesn't put up the numbers and stuff, but like they win, 
like, yeah, they have a great, okay. They have a great defense. Right. But you know, bottom line push comes to shove when you're in the position to make, you know, game winning plays. It, I mean, you know, like they, they win. So um, that's, that's why like, I, I, I kind of agree with you about that Jimmy G point there. Um, I, I think the Niners fans are just still salty about um, that one throw he missed uh, in the Super Bowl, which still, I don't know, maybe could have been caught if it was, you know, Sanders laid out for that. But um... <laughs> it's not Jimmy G's fault. Your defense blew a 10 point lead. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But, uh, but it's going to be a interesting. This championship yeah. weekend is going to be so crazy. <laughs> I did not think the Niners were going to get it this far. I knew they were going to be a threat. But there's no way I thought they were gonna beat the Packers at home. Like, there's no way I would ever ever. You could have given me ten thousand to one odds, I might not have even taken it. Uh, for that, really? I would have took that, and I would have cashed in. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, of course, it's gonna now draw into speculation. Aaron Rodgers' future. Um, we don't know. You know, retirements on the board. Maybe he wants to go to somewhere a little bit more you know, familiar, comforting to him somewhere in California, maybe uh, Denver has been thrown out there a lot. Uh, but I think like Tom and we'll get into that, but we're just going to have to wait and see, you know, I think as we've seen, uh, I don't know if you watched the Pat McAfee show, um, the Aaron Rodgers Tuesdays and stuff. Um, I watched a little of his one today. Yes. But I mean, as you know, like he, he's definitely a guy that, takes some time to think about things um at least you know big decisions like that so probably won't hear anything for a little bit uh i wouldn't be surprised if he comes back i wouldn't be surprised if he leaves either at this point um but i think it's gonna definitely affect uh Devontae adams uh and what because i think Devontae still has one more year right Left he's a free contract, agent or is he a free agent but there's rumors that they're gonna franchise tag him Okay, which well, would really upset him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, I think the Packers are gonna like if you keep one, you got to keep the other. Um, so because I I think they're not gonna play in Green Bay without each other. Um, oh, pretty no. much. So, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I don't know, man. Knowing the Packers front office, I don't think they're gonna pay <laughs> I think they're both gonna walk. And they're gonna be stuck with Jordan I Love. So. I Jordan hope so. Love. <laughs> Jordan Love and who's your number one receiver? Like Valdez Scantling or Lazard's gonna be your new number one receiver. Like, oh that's Aaron Jones at least. Oh, I guess He's so. Under contract. But, but you know, and if Rodgers and Adams walk away, they could literally go from a one seed to like a four five win team next season if they have no Rodgers or um, Devontae Adams and Matt LaFleur is a hell of a coach, man. But you lose those two guys. Uh, good luck. Your two best players. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, but yeah, I guess we'll, we'll wait and see what Rogers does. I have a hunch he stays. I have a hunch they pay Adams. They can't be that dumb, bro. They can't be that cheap. I don't care. Like, just pay them. They're pay over Devontae. the salary cap, though. I don't know. So they got they got to figure out. You know they're you gonna obviously make it work. guys too. You gotta some make guys. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. Uh, all right, 
So moving on to the Sunday's games. So disclaimer for this Rams uh, Bucks game, I did not see the crazy comeback that occurred. Uh, and you know, this is my fault uh, for sleeping when Tom Brady is playing. You know, I know everyone knows the twenty-eight to three, right in the Super Bowl. I was like twenty-seven to three. Okay, there's no way he can do it twice. Um, so basically, I was telling Matt before this, I took a nap uh, when it was twenty-seven to three. Woke up, literally the first thing I see is the play uh, Stafford hits Cup uh, before they kick the game-winning field goal, and I'm wondering why Matthew Stafford is screaming at everyone to hurry up and clock the ball. And I, I look at the score and it's 27, 27. Like what happened? I'm like, okay, Tom did Tom things again. Um, But another walk-off field goal in this one, it was, it was a crazy one. The Rams were dominating uh, the bucks and it was like, it should have been way worse. You know, the two cam makers fumbles, I think. Um, that first one near the goal line too, that would have for sure put the whole game away. I don't care how yeah. good you are. You go down 27 at that point. I mean, the game is over. So, uh, you know, a lot of sloppiness turnovers from the Rams. Uh, Brady couldn't get it going till late. Um, and I think that just came back to, to bite him in this one. Um, but yeah, so I just wanted to talk about um, how or okay, I want to talk about that last play. So the last play that you know Stafford hits Cup to set up the game-winning touch or field goal, right? So we just talked about how the Niners, you know, transitioned to guarding Devonte, you know, in that one-on-one, and I don't know if it's because they have Odell. And he warrants enough attention, but I don't know how in a pivotal situation like that, you bring the pressure. It doesn't even get home fast enough. And you let Cooper cup run one-on-one with your safety. Like I don't understand the logic behind, you know, not, or at least playing like deep coverage if you're going to send the blitz, right? Because that's the whole point. Like uh, they're going to take a while to get downfield. Uh, so you take away, you know, like the deep stuff, right? So <laughs> I don't I think that's that killed him. Because I think if that game goes into OT and Tom gets the ball, I think uh, they go on to win because they had all the momentum at that point, right? Um, so, but I mean, got to give credit to, to Matty Stafford, man, he did not fold uh, like Matt Ryan did, and you know <laughs> Shanahan did. But I mean, it was really a tale of like three quarters, two and a half quarters <laughs> to one quarter. Like, not really tale yeah. of two halves, right? But um, I think the Rams. This is a big statement win because they got pushed all the way. It should have been easy for them to fold. I think it was easy to just say, oh, Tom got us. Tom did it again, you know. But, um, yeah, big, big definitive win for that Rams team. So, yeah, I mean, I just <laughs> – how do you let Cooper Cup get so open? Right. Like the whole game. Literally the best re- 
Like, and then the the first ball he caught, the seventy yard touchdown. There was like nobody around <laughs> on third and twenty. I know third and That's... twenty. You lose Cooper Cup behind you, behind too. You? even in front of you, behind you. Uh... Yeah, the Bucks defense, man. You guys did not show up. I'm sorry. I mean, I they you, were punching I mean, they the ball force... out at the end. Though. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they, they didn't really help birdie out too much yeah i don't think so i mean i know tom i mean for tom's sake too he had he had a pretty rough day too yeah and i think part of it was because of the line i think tristan worst did that was play. huge yeah and who else did did jensen play the center i didn't hear anything on him i thought it was just tristan worst that was that. just tristan worst yeah yeah but then i don't know if you saw this but then I don't even know who the backup is, but they were putting Aaron Donald on him. I was like, oh, this poor kid. <laughs> and then he was just eating, you know, eating him alive. I think Donald had like nine quarterback hits that game. So, I mean, just relentless pressure. I mean, that's how you beat Brady too, right? Just if you can rush the passer or rush him with, you know, four yeah. guys mm-hmm. without sending the blitz, then you got a good shot. So yeah. I think that really put him off for them. But I mean, yeah, this one kind of stung too, because you know, obviously, I cheer for my Cowboys, and every time they always end literally up skip Junior. They bro, end up they, they end up falling short every year for the past twenty six seasons. So I gotta cheer for somebody. So it always ends up being Brady. So this one it was like my 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 second team lost in a way. <laughs> so. I don't know what to do now. I have no, I have nobody to cheer for. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's what I was thinking. I don't even know who to cheer for at this point. Like Stafford, maybe. Like oh, Joe Burrow. I we'll guess we'll get into it later. But I, I'm cheering for the Bengals. <laughs> Let's okay, just finish yeah. up that. All right. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but what do you think about Tom though? Do you think he's actually going to retire? Dude, there's no way Tom retires. I don't. He needs one more shot at the super bowl i think i think when he gets back to the super bowl uh win or lose that'll be his last season um because he just can't give up football man i swear to god like he is addicted to football um and i think giselle has accepted it at this point um i watched some of the man in the arena stuff like she just like was sick of it at first she couldn't stand the schedule it's like she just has accepted that that's just who tom is um and i would really be i would be really sad to see tom step away already especially because we know he could still play at such an elite level um i wouldn't be surprised if he signs like you know he just does one year deals out from now on. i think he's under contract though right isn't he under contract i thought this was his last year because I think it was a two-year contract, if I'm not mistaken. Um, well, either way. 20. Oh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, maybe he, he doesn't have a lot left. But he had one more year. Oh. Um, but, yeah, I don't. I think he comes back. Uh, I, I think something pretty drastic in his life is going to have to happen for him to walk away. You know, um, I don't see him walking away at this point. He just loves the game too much. He he said so, he's gonna play to forty five, or that was his goal, right? And he's yes. forty four, so yeah. So he, I think he's he has one, one year, year away from hitting his goal. 
Mm-hmm. And so I, I really hope he comes back because he's my favorite quarterback of I all think, time. So yeah, I think not only he comes back, he needs he needs like a uh like a Kobe last year kind of you know like like he doesn't tour. want a farewell tour though, but he said I know he doesn't, he doesn't want, want one, but like teams should take time to honor him. I think every team, you know, like when pay, it was Peyton's last year too, you know, they were like, it doesn't have to be a whole tour thing. Right. But I think uh, it would be good to just like, you know, reflect and be able to talk about that throughout the season and whatnot. But um, I think yeah, was a, Tom, yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh no. I was just going to say this was a tough one uh, just because they almost did the impossible again. Uh, so it's like, cause I really thought they were going to, uh, I mean, I was really surprised that it even came down to that. So I was like, what the hell happened? <laughs> um, but then I saw, you know, all the fumbles and miscues and stuff. And it's like the Rams tried so hard to give that a game back to Tom. Uh, but I guess it just wasn't meant to be this year for your boy. So, yeah. It's all right. Maybe Tom can come to Dallas next year. You know, he can get a fair auto there. Yeah. All right. Well, <laughs> Rams moving on to play the Niners. No idea who's going to win that game. Those two hate each other. They know each other. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, but the last game, so probably the last and best game of the entire season, we thought that, you know, Chargers-Raiders game was nuts. Uh, this one takes the cake, I think, f- by oh, far. Yeah the craziest ending sequence I've ever witnessed in any level of football, like ever. So we'll start, you know, let's start at 26-21. So 26-21, it's fourth and 13. The Bills have the ball, right? So obviously, you know, they were going, it was kind of, it was close the whole game. No one team really jumped out to a crazy lead. and then Josh Allen hits Gabriel Davis for his third touchdown at the time, uh, wide open in the end zone uh, to take the lead with, you know, a little under two to go, right? So then I thought, oh, boy, he left too – there's too much time, right, for good yeah. old Patty Mahomes. Um, so disclaimer, I was cheering for the Chief, or sorry, I was cheering for the Bills – because uh, my yeah, so my dad had placed a futures bet in Vegas, like before the season started, and we had the Bills, uh, going to the Super Bowl, or I think actually winning the Super Bowl. I forgot what the odds were, but we would have made like seven or eight hundred bucks off of fifty dollars, so pretty good odds, and it was looking really good, right? Um, and so, so of course I'm thinking, right, like oh boy. Here we go. Another Mahomes. He has a chance again at the end of the game, you know, um, and sure enough, he start, you know, starts going down the field here, uh, here and there. And then he hits Tyreek over the middle and Tyreek once again, turns in like turns on like the mock 25s. I swear to God, this guy has gear, has a gear that no other NFL player has ever had like because he literally runs not just through everyone he runs around them first (laughs) to get the angle and still is able to turn up 
and run past every single DB uh, on the Bills side. And I'm I'm watching the play. I'm just stunned. I was just stunned because I'm like it was just a reminder of how like unfair it is to have a guy like that on your team. And Matt, you of all people remember, right? Kansas City against Dallas uh, several years ago, right? I, I tried to wipe that out of my memory, but I guess not. So Tyreek, you know, takes the last just a little check down. Yeah. Yeah. Check down Hail Mary to end the half thing. Um, and literally runs through the entire Dallas secondary for a touchdown when there's no way that should if literally only he's probably the only human uh in the NFL that could pull off something like that. And he did it again in the mo in you know the moment that they needed it the most. Um, so my dad was like stunned. He was pissed. He thought the game was over. Um, but then now I'm thinking, right? So now there's a minute left. Uh, but now Josh Allen has three timeouts, right? That was big, and, three timeouts. Yeah, he had three yeah. timeouts with a minute left. And I said, no, you know, a minute with no timeouts is one thing, but a minute with three timeouts is huge. So oh, yeah. There goes jo- good old Josh Allen. Like he just blossomed like the second, the second half of the season into the postseason. Um, I think he is him and Pat are like one A and one B of each other. Um, like those guys literally, I, I think Josh is more athletic um, than, than Pat is. And like just he, the throws he was making, um, uh, like when he needed to, the plays he was making when he needed to on that last drive, um, they got down the field. Like they didn't even really need to use that many timeouts. I think they still had two. They only used one timeout on that last drive. And so they played it like almost perfectly. You know, he hits Gabe Davis for his fourth touchdown with 13 seconds left to go up. You know, they hit the extra point. Then it's a three point game. And now, Okay, I'm honest. If I'm being honest, I thought the game was over. I think a lot of people also thought the game was over um, because 13 seconds is just, I didn't think that was enough time, right? So here's where we come back to the coaching. So even uh, Tony Romo said this on the broadcast, he would kick it short, right? I to, agree. To let, and my dad said this too. He's like, they should kick it like squib it or kick it short or something so that it forces them to return, you know, run at least it would be, you know, three to four seconds, let's say off the clock. Right. Then you're stuck to 10 seconds. That's maybe that's one, maybe two plays if it's quick enough. Right. Um, so first of all, they kick it out of bounds, uh, waste no time off the clock, place the ball at the 25 yard line. And then the Bills, so I I think they just, you know, maybe outthought themselves here or were just playing too conservative. I don't know what they were doing. I'm not sure. Yeah, I that don't know. That was terrible what, defense. So my thinking was, you know, if I'm the Chiefs, right, what are we going to do? Obviously, we can't get down the field in 13 seconds because and, and run another play, right? Because you only have 13 seconds, so – for guys to, you know, try to get down 25, 30 yards down the field, that's going to run like seven or eight seconds off the clock. 
right? So obviously they're going to just take, you know, as the chunk plays that they can with the timeouts that they still had. And what does the Bills do? They drop everyone back and let just give Kansas City those free yards uh, with the timeouts that they had. Uh, And they did it twice, Matt. Like, you know, they gave up the huge chunk to Tyreek in the first place. But now there's really only one play left before they have a chance to kick the field goal, right? So, like, maybe they were just so scared of giving up a touchdown there uh, to lose the game because they think Mahomes is just going to bomb it over their heads. Um, But in reality, right, like, you know, maybe you have two guys super deep and just have, like, some intermediate guys there to stop literally what happened uh, when they hit Kelsey up the seam for, you know, to get them in field goal range. And it wasn't even, he wasn't even really contested at all. So, you see how the DB was playing him too? He was playing, like how they, the 49ers were playing Dallas. Yeah. But that was different. Dallas had no timeouts. Mm-hmm. And they had to score a touchdown. Right. So they, he, Kelsey had a easy, <laughs> the easiest 15-yard catch of his life probably. And that's all that they needed. They just needed yeah. three, you know, like mm-hmm. – that I think just those 13 seconds are gonna. Uh, I just saw an article too, like it's gonna. Uh, McDermott said it's gonna haunt him for years, those 13 seconds. And I, I mean, I don't know how it can't, right? If you're the head coach there, because really, as a defense, he's a defensive coach. Um, that is just, you know, inexcusable to me to not, you know, put your guys in that right situation and just kind of getting out coached i guess by andy reed in the you know uh he got out thought maybe or maybe he out he got out thought by travis kelsey i guess did you see the the, the audio oh yeah the stuff yeah the um travis <laughs> kelsey told pat uh, i'm not what gonna to run do. this play yeah <laughs> uh yeah, i'm not doing that football yeah i'm not doing that just throw me the ball the yeah <laughs> so that goes back to you know the trust that uh, Pat has between his guys and obviously you know Travis arguably could have go down as one of the best tight ends in NFL history um, <clears throat> came up clutch again when they needed him um, and you know they kicked the field goal go into overtime obviously the Bills can't stop a, a lick at this point they're gassed you know they're in the high altitude up in Kansas City and like you know pat mahomes goes right down the field and then uh hits it was kelsey right for that yeah. game winning yeah hits kelsey for mm-hmm. the game winning back shoulder touchdown and it was just too easy and uh that was the game josh allen doesn't even get a chance because he called tails uh he thought tails the only thing fails. he did wrong in the game <laughs> <laughs> yeah that so brutal way for them to end the season there um you know, it was such a good game. And maybe we'll speak on this, the overtime rules a little bit, because I know there's a lot to be said about this overtime rule, um, how really only one team gets a chance uh, to touch the ball if they score a touchdown. Um, I don't know what you think, Matt. So I'm, I'm kind of like back and forth with this one because I think it's too risky to have those college rules, I think, in the NFL, 
at times just because guys are so gassed at that point, right? Um, they're on the field so much. The NFL obviously wants to take care of its players. And, you know, when guys are that tired and guys are, you know, still trying to make plays for their team, that's where a lot of guys get hurt. Um, so, you know, maybe starting from the 25 might not be a fair chance. Um, I could see, you know, like just giving each team a chance to get the ball, right? So at least that way, you know, like say, so Kansas City goes down and, you know, scores a touchdown, at least give Buffalo a chance to, you know, go through the whole kickoff again, and they have to score a touchdown basically to tie. And then from there, you know, maybe after that, you can get into all these, you know, logistics and whatnot. Um, But I just think it's so tough for, you know, obviously it's a good game, right? Because it's going into overtime. Um, And for one team to just be able to have the luck to touch the ball first, yeah, I think I think we're going to see some kind of overtime rule change um, because I'm sure everyone wanted to see Josh Allen at least get some kind of chance there um, to, you know, at least tie the game or um, at that point. So I don't know what you think. Yeah, I think, yeah, I'm, to me, I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little opposite from that. So I actually think the rule is fine, like the way it is now. And the reason why is, you know, you, it's not like you don't have a chance. It All you got to basically do is don't let them score a touchdown. Even if you let them score a field goal, you still – you get the ball back. So, I yeah. mean, you just got to trust your defense. And Buffalo, in this case, was the number one defense in the league that year. Yep. Yep. So, I don't feel sorry for them on that point. It's like, if you're the number one defense, you can at least hold on to a field goal, right? Yeah. I mean – because I yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's just it just seems so anticlimactic to not at least let the other guy have a chance. I don't I don't know how it would work out, but um because I don't like the college thing because from the 25 it's too close to me. Um to have college rules in in the NFL. So I, I see I thought maybe you know like a shorter quarter, like there's you know seven minutes on the clock eight minutes on the clock or something running clock or just something, you know, it's so there's, cause football is all about time management too. Right. So maybe somehow incorporate the time management cause OT it's not really, you know, we're really worried about time until there's like, you know, like a minute left in OT anyway, kind of thing. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I'm on the side of at least getting uh, another chance, but Anyway. I'm on the side with keeping it the same, but if they were to change it, obviously, you know, I we're not playing tackle football in the NFL. Yeah. So I'm seeing it from my perspective as a fan, but I would just say just let them play the whole overtime out. Yeah, me 10, too. 15 that, minute period. Just let them play. It's like another quarter, right? Yeah. <laughs> just let two teams that are completely gassed just play. Just but I mean, keep smacking that, each other. Oh, man. That, that, so cool. I mean, that would be. If they were to change it, that would be what I would want to see. But obviously, I'm fine with it. I think the rule is fine just the way it is. Yeah. Well, at least the NFL is in good hands. Uh, we're going to be seeing a lot oh, of yeah. good football out of that those two guys for many, many years to come. Um, and honestly, 
Yeah, Josh Allen won me over, Matt, because obviously, I don't know about you, but I was not a Josh Allen fan when he came out, especially, you know, him being at Wyoming, kind of our our, our rival, (laughs) in-conference rival. He beats us. He has all this hype. I don't think he looks good at all because we watch him in college. Like, it's he has no accuracy whatsoever. I don't know how he's this big prospect, Um, but... You know, gotta give him credit. He's he played well, and he can make those like those plays that like no one. It seems like no one else can make. Um, so he he's like the prototype. I think Josh Allen is now the new prototype of quarterback that you want. Like he's a a not as good of a runner, obviously, as Lamar, but you know he might be the third. He's a top five running quarterback. You know, top three strongest arm um and he just somehow finds you know he has that top three like clutch gene too right so it's kind of just everything you want in a quarterback uh all wrapped in into one you know he has the size and everything like that too so but i think yeah he he's definitely won me over uh since he's entered the league so Oh yeah, uh, me too. Good for you, Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I'm a Josh Allen fan now. I must say. It will, I I will say this: when I was watching that game, when he was you know doing his thing, I wish it was in that star jersey though. <laughs> oh That's all I was thinking about. Honestly, of course you were thinking. I was that. like, oh my gosh, that 17 in the star <laughs> in Jerry Road would look so good on you, Josh. Because I'm done with my quarterback. <laughs> I'm done with you, Dak. You make me sick. I'm still not over it. Oh, it's going to be a long off season for you. All right. Well, you know, that's, I think that's a good way to wrap it up. So let's just give our quick picks here. Uh, I don't even know. I don't remember Randy's book it stuff. What did, what did he even have um, last week? So he had ended up with the Bengals, which covered. Uh, he took the Packers, obviously did not cover. The Rams covered. Uh, the Bills did not cover because Kansas City won the touchdown. So he went two and two. Yeah, not bad. Um, your picks yeah, for this weekend, that. Matt. I, I'm not gonna pick with my heart. I'm gonna pick with my head here. I think it's gonna be a Kansas City. I'm gonna wait, just are say, we picking wait wait are we picking like with the spread or just who's gonna win the game? Oh oh I'm oh yeah we can do spread. Let, let, let's do spread first. So spread, I'm gonna take both the dogs here. Um because it's the last time that I checked, it was seven to uh Kansas City. Kansas City is seven, giving seven right now, which is wait. I mean, Cincinnati literally just beat them in Kansas City like not that long ago. So uh, I think that game is going to be a lot closer than uh, seven. Um, and the Rams that uh, I see three and a half, that half point is just too scary for me. I would take, uh, I, I think the Rams win by three or less. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I would take the Niners and the Bengals to cover. But if I'm talking winners, I like the Chiefs and the Rams to win. So. Yeah, I think for me, with the spreads, I, I think Bengals cover, and I, th- I would take the Niners with the points. But to win the game, obviously, I made it very, very clear. I'm cheering for the Bengals. But, I mean, 
hard to pick against the Chiefs if you're just trying to predict who's going to win. So I'll take Kansas City to win the game. Obviously, pretty close game. But I'm going to take the Niners to beat the Rams. I, they have their number. And, you know, the fans from the Niners, they're going to show out at SoFi. So yeah, yeah, there really is true. no home field advantage. So I think I think the Niners move on. So we'll see. We'll see how we do. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. All right. Um, last bit of NFL news here to wrap up. So Sean Payton announced Biggest today. news of the day. <laughs> Sean Payton announced today that he is stepping down as head coach of the New Orleans Saints after 16 years with the franchise. So uh, Sean Payton, he's only 58 years old, you know, not too old, actually, for I mean, on the older side, but not old by, you know, NFL coaching standards. Uh, see guys coaching into their you know 60s and even 70s. So. I guess he's just kind of taking a little hiatus from coaching right now. Uh, not real definitive plans if he's going to retire, if he's going to look for another team. Obviously, this changes things drastically in New Orleans. Um, he's kind of been the steady force the past 16 years. I thought did a heck of a job this year. Um, you know, oh, yeah. Jameis, he turned Jameis around, the whole narrative of Jameis around. Um, you know, I think if they don't lose Jameis, they're in the playoffs. Um, because they, you know, they were rolling with him. Um, and even you know, with Taysom Hill playing with one finger, who's not even really a true quarterback to begin with, um, found you know a way to be right in it to the very end. Um, so obviously, if he does announce that he's coming back to coaching, will be a very very hot commodity to a lot of teams that need coaching. Um, and Matt, I think you have something to say about Mr. Sean Payton. Let, uh, let's like, just say um, Sean Payton's coaching career is not finished. I'm going to put that out already. <laughs> and there's only everybody else. Hold your horses. There's literally only one team that's in the mix for this guy okay <laughs> so it's america's think. team yeah yeah but look at all the the everything is just it's like it's going so perfectly right now <laughs> step one step one was he needs to get out of new orleans yep and everything goes from there next thing but we know, he, he has a house in dallas he coached for the cowboys under parcels he's oh, close God. with the jones family and yep. that's the biggest one He's yeah. close with Jones family. And right. number four, Jerry is publicly bashing our current coach, <laughs> like flaming him. So, I mean, wouldn't it be poetic if Sean Payton is the missing piece that just takes, takes I mean, me home? I could see it. Um, but, okay, best case scenario, even if he does come, you guys maybe win one. Super Bowl, maybe it's still the Cowboys, so I'm not even going to say you guys win with Sean Payton. I'm, I'll take one Super Bowl at this point. It's been 26 <laughs> years since they won a Super Bowl. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Um, I think because if I'm Sean Payton, right, you know, I have a winning pedigree. I'm a Super Bowl winning coach. I'm, you know, established throughout this league as one of the best offensive minds, right? Um, so, like, 
it, he's not like one of these other coaches that are will just go to wh- whoever you know hires him. He has power right now, especially how he you know announced it. I think I think it was a strategic move, which is why I'm not ruling out your Cowboys theory, um, because yeah, he he didn't say I you know I'm resigning or I'm retiring definitively. It's kind of like he's taking a step back, which is giving him power, which is going to make other teams come to him and reach out to him. And he's going to have his choice of where he wants to go. It's not like he was fired or anything. So he's, you know, oh, man, I'm desperately looking for a job now. No, it's not going to be any of that. He knows uh, he's his value and his worth. And he's either going to get paid really well or go to the most ideal spot or maybe even both. Uh, he'll probably get paid well wherever he goes. So, uh, Barry, uh, sorry, Jerry's gonna need to back up the Brinks truck, uh, and go pick him up from New Orleans in the private jet, I think, and bring him on down to Dallas. Uh, but I, I, I think, yeah. <laughs> Wait, let me let me just say right now, if there are any reports that come out of Jerry and Sean Payton having dinner or having you know seeing each other on vacation or anything like that this offseason, book it, it's done. Sean Payton's going to Dallas. Uh, there's, yeah. I um, think, well, I think, you know, realistically, I'm going to come back down to earth a little bit. I think, you know, even if Payton comes, which I, I'm like crossing my fingers, I really hope he does. I don't think it will be till at least next year, though, because of the the compensation you have to give up to him. I think if they wanted to like get him now, like, there's a lot that needs to go on. Plus, they have to give up draft picks. So I think next year is that kind of clean slate where you can kind of just bid for him, I guess. So unfortunately, I'm stuck with, you know, my bonehead of a coach. But, you know, I, I do think the rumors, they're starting to heat up and I love it. I love it. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Well, <laughs> yeah, a lot of exciting, potential exciting stuff for you. Um, but yeah, that's going to wrap up our um, little NFL segment here. So we'll take a little break. And when we come back, we'll get into uh, some other sports talks. So we will be right back. All right, we're back from our little break. All right, so I know Matt usually does, you know, his sports fact of the day, and today's one is a really good one. Um, we'll we'll get into that later, but I just have a little little bit of trivia for Matt. I'm not sure if he knows this, um, but Matt putting me on the spot right now. Yeah, I'm putting you on the spot. So a super interesting thing I saw today on Instagram. Um, so out of all the NFL teams, right? Uh, in the past 25 years, Matt, uh, can you take a guess at how many teams have three or less playoff wins in the last 25 years? I'll give you a hint. Dallas is one of these teams. 
But you told me off air this is a good fact. This it is, is a, a hor- good. It's a horrible fact. This is a hilarious fact. All right, all right. Here. I'm gonna. Well, okay. <laughs> let Let me I'm just gonna say. God, I don't even know. Like what? Like one, <laughs> two. Okay, so there are two. there are eight total teams, Matt, that have. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, eight high. teams that have three or less playoff wins. So let me just read this out for you. So the Lions have none. Okay, the Browns that was have, my guess. <laughs> the Lions have none. The Browns have one. Bengals oh, and Washington God. are at two. And that leaves us with the Bears, Dolphins, Bills, and Cowboys all at three playoff wins in the past 25 years. All right, the mighty Dallas Cowboys. This is our year. Have three playoff wins to show over the past 25 years. So it's not like you guys are even making it that far when, when you go on these runs. I just think this is super interesting. Let me just let give you a couple teams that have more wins in the playoffs than the Dallas Cowboys have in the past. This wasn't a years. fun fact. This is a roast session. The Houston Texans have four wins. The Las Vegas Raiders have four. Jacksonville Jaguars have five. The New York Jets have seven playoff wins in the past 25 years. Oh, that is, that's a pretty sickening stat right there, huh? Knowing that the Jets have seven playoff wins in the past 25 years with how bad they've been. So I thought that was a fun little. Mark Sanchez. The little, even Mark Sanchez with his butt fumble, man, made the playoffs more times than you guys. Or have more playoff wins. Tom Brady has more playoff wins in Tampa (laughs) in that time span. Oh, man. Uh, I can't. Well, thanks for ruining my night. Oh, you're welcome. All right. Well, you're getting a little too high on the Chompation talk, (laughs) so I had to, you know, bring it down a little bit. But all right. So let's get into some of our non NFL talk. So today, David Ortiz, Big Poppy, uh, was the only member selected into the uh, Major League Baseball Hall of Fame class of 2022. So basically, you need, uh, Matt said, 75% of the vote to uh, make it into the Hall of Fame, and he was the only player. So some notable players that were on their final year of the ballot, uh, kind of all pretty controversial figures. Uh, So Barry Bonds. Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, and Sammy Sosa all were on their last, um, had their last chance. There's like another selection committee that they still can get approved somehow. I'm not really sure on the details, but basically um, through the traditional voting standard, uh, those guys didn't make it. So, um, you know, we can have our talks. Obviously, David Ortiz definitely belongs to be in there. you know, all that, you know, he's clutch. He has all the records. He has the numbers. Um, you know, you probably hated him for a long time. Um, but I hated him because he was so good. Yeah. Just one of those guys you, you have to respect. You know, you hate their guts because of how good they are. But, yeah. you know, obviously now looking back, you, you've got to, you know, respect it and tip your cap um, to Big Pop because 
he was a big, big reason why the Red Sox have all these World Series wins in the past 20 years. So um, good for Big Poppy. I don't know how you feel about the Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens uh, scenario, but I think it's hard um, to, you know, maybe I'm just a little biased because we haven't, we didn't really see that whole, you know, era um, of Bonds and Clemens and stuff. But I still think, you know, even if, Barry Bonds was using steroids for half his career. I think the first half, he's, I mean, he still kind of had a Hall of Fame-ish career, right? Um, but, I mean, I guess it's hard just because he did use the PDs. But um, he brought so much excitement to baseball at that time that they really needed it. Um, the Roger Clemens thing, I honestly, I, I don't know how good he really was. Um, I know he was a Yankee for a while, so maybe you know a little bit more than me. Uh, but I don't know. I'm not too surprised. I would like to see Barry Bonds in the Hall of Fame just because of all he meant to the sport kind of thing. Um, uh, even though he's a giant? Yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, it was before my time, kind of, right? I mean, I was only, what, like four or five years old. So, um and who knows, maybe your boy A-Rod will get in there one day. I doubt it. If I don't think if Barry Bonds is getting in, I don't think A-Rod's getting in. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But, um, yeah, you got any? It, it's, I mean, it's so tough. I mean, obviously, you know, with the whole PED, you know, situation. But if you just take away that and you just focus on the player that he was or all these guys were really, you know, obviously mm-hmm. Clemens and Bonds. And uh, Schilling, I mean, Barry Bonds is the all-time home run leader. I mean, <laughs> I don't know how you, you don't have that guy in the Hall of Fame, right? I mean, personally, I think Hank Aaron was probably the greatest home run hitter, but that doesn't mean Bonds shouldn't be recognized. And then obviously, Roger, you know, former Yankee pitcher, not trying to be, you know, you know biased or anything, but I mean, you look at his numbers and I mean, he was the real deal. <laughs> so I think it's really hard for the committee. Obviously I think they're factoring in everything uh, that takes into account with what these players go through on and off the field. So it's tough, but I think, I think they should be focusing on what they did on the field. Right. You know, like, Pete, like Rose. Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Dude, yeah. Like he's, he, that is BS to me that, like still yeah. to this day, the Pete Rose thing. Um, but okay, so here here's my thing. So I always understood, you know, like the steroids and you know the PDs and whatnot. Obviously, enhance your gameplay to a certain extent. But my thing is that I've never quite understood, and maybe it's because we don't know what it's like to be on PEDs or steroids or how it really does affect you. Uh, But just if, because, you know, my whole thought, at least growing up and maybe I I still don't really know exactly what they do to your body, but it's just kind of like, you know, makes you stronger, makes you bigger, right? Stronger, bigger, you know, faster, all these things. And I'm sure that helps, you know, you know, hitting home runs and whatnot, right? Him and Maguire were going, you know, back and forth, just smashing home runs. So, so, so. 
Sosa too, right? Um, but how much does does it affect other things? Like, does it make you kind of sharper or react faster? Because at the end of the day, you still got to hit the ball, right? Exactly. Like, if you yeah. don't hit the ball, like, it's not going to matter, you know, like, how big and strong you are. We've seen that, you know, like, throughout the history of baseball. That's, you know. Um, so, I mean, maybe it's just because they were such a good hitters. Um, they didn't need it anyway. That's kind of plays into um, effect, but. I don't know because Bonds hit for average too, right? He he was a triple crown threat like every year. So that was that's my one thing. Like I don't know. Maybe it does, you know, like make yeah, like help your reaction or something. Um that would, you know, factor into hitting a ball. But if it if it's just like, you know, it makes you stronger or whatnot, like you you still gotta be able to hit the ball, um, you know, and at the right angles and all this stuff. Cause obviously it's not, it's not like football, right. Is what I'm trying to say. It's not like if one running back is completely jacked or one lineman is completely jacked and, you know, physical is li- or football is literally can be a head to head, like who's stronger than the other person kind of thing. And that gives an unfair advantage. I can see that. Right. Um, but I don't know. Maybe that's just my way of thinking. Like, you still got to hit the ball, man. So that's why I think uh, I think he deserves it. Yeah. I mean, to kind of go, this is a little off, off track, but it's like these guys are getting ripped from the Hall of Fame. So they're getting kind of a severe, like, punishment, I guess you could say. And yet the Astros don't get punished for oh my god stealing signs. Don't even get me started. <laughs> Put it all back to that, right? I mean, I'm talking about you, Manfred. Yeah. Nobody likes you. Yeah. Oh my god, it brought such joy to my heart to see him cry and and be so nervous uh, when the Dodgers won the World Series and everyone was booing him. <laughs> oh, such a good, that's such a good moment. Yep. Fuck Manfred, man. But, yeah, we'll see who gets in next year, right? Yeah, Ho- hopefully my boy Aaron, but we'll see. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll see. Um, <laughs> all right, so transitioning from baseball, let's get into our week. It's like weekly at this point. Who knows? UH football would have this much action, <laughs> man. But um, so over the weekend, uh, June Jones, you know, declined the uh offer from UH. Uh, it was kind of a shocker to everyone because uh, the way, you know, the stars were aligning, the signs were pointing to June Jones kind of taking over. Um, so it was kind of a big shock when, um, you know, he turned down the offer. Um, I think it left a lot of fans uh, kind of confused uh, and upset. You know, uh, we don't know all the details, obviously, that came out. Um you know, some reports came out after they weren't going to give him, you know, full control of his coaching staff and, you know, whatnot. And it's kind of like, okay, well, how is he supposed to, you know, reshape a program if he's not, you know, given the keys to the car. Right. So uh, just more frustration out of UH's part for me anyway. Um, but over the weekend, Timmy Chang, former uh, UH quarterback and, you know, basically one of the legends of UH football, uh, is coming back home, you know, local boy coming back home. And he's going to take over the 
the program. So, uh, Matt, I don't know your initial reactions to this. Um, I mean, I love that, you know, he's probably going to be able to get the local talent to stay um, because, you know, he has deep roots here. He has the connections. He knows the people. He knows how, you know, UH football and its fans are, right? Um, but I, I must say I do have some concerns for myself, um, you know, because he was never – I mean, he was a quarterback's coach and he was kind of a wide receiver's coach. Uh, you know, he not for that long, really. Uh, I think he has less than 10 years of experience, right? He's got to have less than 10 years of experience. Um, so they're kind of letting him take over this program. I don't know how well he's going to be able to recruit off-island, um, you know, with some of the transfers and stuff. I don't know how well he's going to fit in um, kind of with the boosters at UH and if he's going to be able to get their support, um, which is going to be kind of a crucial thing there, you know, getting funding and stuff. And just if we're talking just playing football-wise, I don't know, like, how much or how good he is as a – as a coach, um, obviously legendary player. Um, but bottom line is Hawaii fans don't come unless we win. So we're going to need to win. And I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not really doubting him. It's just, I don't know. I don't know what kind of coach he is. I don't know what kind of coach he's going to be at least with June Jones. Right. Um, yeah. He's on the older side. Um, but if you need someone to just kind of like hot fix the situation, right. Or like quick patch, you know, like get us out the out of the mud at least a little bit, you know. I could see him, you know, getting a two, maybe three year deal just to kind of bring UH back from the dead a little bit, get the fan support back in, get the, you know, um, the player support, get, you know, the community support. So it's uh that's why I was a little disappointed that UH wasn't willing to just, you know, let June Jones make his own decisions um, and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, I'm praying, I'm cheering for Timmy. Obviously if it works out, it's going to be like phenomenal for the program because uh, you know, the fans are going to be in it. It's a local guy. It's going to feel like, Oh man, he's back and he's our savior once again. Um, so I really, really, really hope it works out. Um, but I guess we're just going to have to wait and see because I honestly have no idea. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, I was honestly, this is the guy that I kind of wanted to be the coach in the long run, at least. Mm-hmm. You know, a kind of young, offensive-minded coach, like local local boy. So right. I think that part was good. Um, but, you know, I think this kind of goes back to, you know, the way – I call it the battle between Matman and Jones, right? But I think the most ideal situation for UH would have been to have June Jones as that bridge, right? And the have, bridge coach, right? Yeah, Timmy and then is like you have OC Timmy or as something. Like, yeah, yeah, or a quarterback yeah. coach or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Was, He's that yeah. coach in waiting. But I mean, I think that's what Jones was, you know, at least from his his side. That's what he was saying, right? He wanted Timmy on the staff. Like, he was going to train him to be that protege. But, <laughs> you know, when the report came out that the contract Jones got was, a, t- a first off, a two-year contract deal. Mm-hmm. 
and probably the worst part of that was he can't pick his staff. <laughs> I've never heard of What? a contract or a head coach not be able to pick his staff ever. <laughs> Pretty sure high school coaches can pick their staff. <laughs> I mean, that's unreal. And that falls on, on Matlin. I mean, I don't blame Jones for, for not taking that contract because he, what is he supposed to work with? Yeah. How are you、and、supposed think, to change the culture? To,、uh, yeah, exactly. You're keeping the same culture if you're letting Matlin or the management team pick your coaches for you, right? Yeah. That's that same culture.、Mm-hmm. And then, you know, obviously with the contract length, you know, what Jones said, you know, I, I side with him as well because, you know, if you give a coach a two year deal, like you can't get recruits to, Commit to you, and it's you're not Alabama or you know, like a top notch program. Like,、yeah. you want guys that recruit that come to UH to stay for four years,、mm-hmm. and nobody's gonna want to stay if your coach is only gonna be there two years. Yeah, then you're gonna have to transfer again, and then it's that whole chaos, you know, everyone's、mm-hmm. especially with the transfer porter now. So, now, yep, yep. I so, I think, yeah, what they should have what they should have done, at least from. If I was Matlin, I give June Jones maybe a four, four or five year deal. And then he had what? No, no, op, no buyout, right? So they could fire him at, at any time. It wasn't really about the money, I think. So if you give him that kind of long term deal with no, no buyout penalty and you let him pick his staff, yeah, then that would have been ideal. And I think Timmy, Timmy would have been okay with that, I think, because he, he knows he's. He's coming up next. Yeah. He's and, on deck. I mean, because Timmy got like four years, two and a half mil. I yeah. Think. Yeah. So, four, why couldn't June Jones get four years? He could have got a million, I think. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just poor, a poor job by Matlin and his, his team. And did you see he apologized today? To oh,、Jones? did he? I didn't see that. He, There was a Hawaii News Now had a, had a tweet and it said, like, Matlin apologized to Jones for like, the situation. Yeah, because that spokesperson, right? Spokes, quote unquote,、yeah. spokesperson, whoever that guy is.、Yeah. I don't even know who that guy is. <laughs> came、yeah. out and said, like, was not bashing Junior's, but oh, we tried to make it work and he was, you know, all this and that and blah, blah, blah. And then the reports came out. I didn't know he apologized today. Oh, my God. That's poor. Yeah. It- <laughs> Typical, typical UH fashion to hire a coach. So, so we should, why, why don't we try to be the ADs? How do you even become an AD, Matt? Why don't we just like, why don't we just be like ADs? Why is it so hard? I don't understand. I don't know. One of us gets the job, we'll hire the other as the assistant. Yeah, <laughs> something, consultant or、right? something. Yeah. Because this is, oh, whatever. No,、nah, I'm just playing. I know it's hard to be an AD, but I don't know. But、it doesn't make sense sometimes how they go about it. So, I mean, at the end of the day, we got our coach. So, go out and get those recruits, Timmy. <laughs> yep. Yep. Get the local talent to stay because that's, I'm pretty sure that's why they got you. That and to、yeah. give UH a little bit of good PR. <laughs> a little bit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not、so、going to lie. I think it was to give, give us some good PR. So,、um, yeah, with that, well, good luck to Timmy. Go, Bows. We really hope it's a good season.、Um, but let's just quickly got a shout out UH basketball program, too, right, Matt? 
Um, oh, yeah. We haven't talked about them all year. So yeah, yeah. So they're right now they're tied for first in the Big West at five and zero. Uh, who knows? Hopefully, maybe we can make the dance this year. It would be a little nice to go dancing in March. Um, <laughs> I, I, I mean, mean I don't it's know a good players. start. I mean the the initial season, let's say, didn't start off so great. Um, and then, you know, obviously with the diamond head, you know, pretty poor performance. They yeah. lost both of the games that they played. But I don't know, man. Something about when they started Big West play, you know, they hit they hit their stride. And, you know, obviously a couple key guys are coming back. And then one of them is um Bernardo da Silva. He can't he missed the whole Diamond Head classic too. So I mean, I think his impact, you know, inside being that kind of athletic presence has really, really helped uh, right now. And, uh, you know, they've been playing pretty good defense over their last, you know, couple games. Um, trying to look at their scores here. Their past four games, they held their opponent under 60 points. Yeah, so that'll that's, work. that's, I mean, you can win games like that. So obviously UH isn't really the most prolific offensive team. They really only have one guy that can score the ball. That's Noel Coleman. And I think the teams are starting to figure out that he's kind of their focal point on offense. So <laughs> if they're going to win, you know, obviously they need other guys to step up, but they got to continue playing defense and they got to, they got to win that way. So they got a, they got a two game homestand this week. So I will be at the game, at least one of them this week. Right, sounds so good. Then you can give us your, uh, I can give another breakdown, your, your breakdown. <laughs> I will, I will say though, that, you know, I think a huge advantage for UH this year is when they play on the road, they don't have to deal with the crowd because mm. there's, there's like a, there's some kind of like a regulation with the law, I think like the California law. Uh, I don't know what it is. So like I was watching um, Oregon and USC play college basketball mm-hmm. and USC was ranked number five at the time. And there was nobody in the stands. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> I don't think, you know, I would think fans would come out for a top five team in the country. Yeah. So the fact that UH doesn't have to deal with, you know, basically road fans, it's it, that's huge because fans can come to the Stan Sheriff or I guess it's called what? Simplify Arena now or something. Oh, is it? I didn't even know that. Yeah, they, they changed the name. So, not the I mean, crypt. if they can... <laughs> not the crypto.com. <laughs> That's a terrible name, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, hopefully, you know, UH. Yeah, please, right. please. We, we just got to go to March one more time. One more time. Oh, it's been too long, man. Yeah. It's been yeah. way too long. We need one more Cinderella run. Uh-huh. So crossing our fingers that they go 2-0 this week. Yep. All right. Go Bulls. Oh, all right. Well, Matt, why don't you give us our little uh, history nugget? Uh I think this is a good one. Uh, so I'll just yeah. So it. today's obviously sports history fact. So we're recording this on January twenty fifth. So this is kind of a you know sentimental kind of sad tribute. Um, but two years ago during COVID year, uh, on this date, LeBron James, you know, obviously to me he is the goat. Uh, but he surpassed Kobe Bryant on the all-time scoring list or the all-time NBA scoring list this year and to move into third. Um, and obviously, you know, with what happens 
tomorrow, which would be the 26th, it would be the two-year uh, anniversary for the passing of the great Kobe Bryant. So um, I'm going to kind of turn this over to you because you are the Laker fan and the, the Kobe supporter. So I know this is probably a, a tough time for for all Laker fans to kind of deal with, but I don't know. What do you, what do you think about, you I know, mean, especially this time, time of the year, I guess, for the past couple of years. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's always good, you know, to like reflect on these, you know, in these moments. Um, I'm just going to run back real quickly um, that, that day two years ago um you know i mean we were all there we were together at that time right uh, yeah, in, in portland college. um yeah. <clears throat> and yeah i just remember uh we were had just finished our you know our hula practice, little, little practice. Our, yeah our <laughs> practice uh dancing the hula and stuff um and then one of our friends came up to us and just took he's like oh my god like like he's like kobe died remember Lo- i remember logan like told us and i was like wait what like i was like kobe like kobe who like i i thought it was like someone he knew you know like personally or like someone you know at the school or something and then he showed me the phone and then it said you know breaking kobe bryant um you know dead helicopter incident i was like wait what is going on so you know we're walking out of the gym like i'm checking twitter checking all like, I mean, TMZ reported it, so I was a little sketchy at first, you know. Um, but then once it hit, you know, like SportsCenter, ESPN, and yeah. ESPN, and, you know, Fox, whatever, all the different, you know, CBS News sports channels, um, it was it was kind of like a shock. Like, that is one moment that, you know, people say, oh, where were you when you this happened? Where were you when that happened? Now I know, like, that is a key memory in my head um that you know 20 minutes of shock because i think we went to go work out after um or we were supposed to our plan was we were gonna go work out we were working out and everyone Um, in the gym was watching the the tvs yeah the tvs and i was just like just in such shock um because i mean then you know everything starts to replay in your head um you know unfortunately he wasn't even alone you know Gigi was on the plane along with you know everyone everyone else and then um just kind of started you know thinking like he was doing so much at that time in his life not even in basketball um he wasn't even around the game really uh but you know his he was producing uh like short films he had all these business deals going around you know he was had his mamba academy stuff that was on the come up um and it just it was just so tragic and it's still so tragic like looking back um because i mean obviously yeah um i was i'm a lakers fan i'm still a laker fan uh i have to say i um i'll admit the lakers are actually the one team um that i have stuck with for my entire life um so i've ever since i i started you know really getting into basketball um you know i went from soccer and baseball and what whatnot um got into basketball i was probably about eight or nine years old uh around there um and so that's when i really started following the lakers because you know family in la 
um they were lakers fans i became a lakers fan kind of that's kind of how it works right in hawaii um so yeah i was just a diehard lakers fan and um you know it crushed me when they lost to boston um in that 08 i think 08 that 08 year um but you know they came back and then finally beat them um that was such a good uh uh like feeling for me and so that's why you know Kobe was always my favorite player um I used to not like LeBron uh because I mean when you're a Kobe fan at that time right it was it was always Kobe or LeBron who you got right so I wasn't a real big LeBron guy um until recently but yeah it, it was it's just you know still sad looking back um because he was such a like dynamic force you know um and now you know he he, like towards the end of his career he became more like he opened up more um you know when I was growing up before everyone said don't you don't want to be like Kobe because he doesn't pass the ball right um and it's kind of like he garnered the respect of players and like the league and fans um and he started, you know, becoming more friendly almost, you know, he opened himself up more to the public and people really, you know, turned their opinion on him kind of a little bit, you know, from this like cocky, brash kind of guy into like this, you know, really respected winner. Um, Cause that's what, you know, he, that's kind of, you know, mama mentality um, and all that stuff. And a uh, reason like I, like even looking back now became more of a fan of him was because he wasn't, you know, like a Jordan or a LeBron where he was probably the most athletic guy in the entire league uh, with the skill to back it up. Um, Because, you know, you see a lot of these guys now, um, like, yeah, Kobe had, you know, he was dynamic athletically, right? But I don't think he was ever considered, hey, he's the best athlete, you know, like or freak athlete in the league. He just had the grit and tenacity and the work ethic, right? That that's what made him so special. So now looking back, it's like you, you know, you can appreciate that even more because um, even when he might not have been the most athletic, I'm not saying he wasn't athletic, right? But he might not have been, you know, the one of one like freak athlete. Um, and they, he, he relied more on his, you know, skill than anything. It's just... It's good to look back, but yeah, it's still just a pretty tragic um, day. But yeah, I'll, I'll always remember that. So um, I got my Kobe jerseys. I should have worn that. I didn't even realize it, but yeah, I got all my Kobe stuff. So uh, yeah, he'll always be a pretty big inspiration to me and a lot of people around the world. So yeah, I mean, for me, you know, obviously, yeah, you touched on, you know, the championships and his big clutch shots, but I don't know. In this kind of, you could say it's depressing, but I guess you can say in a celebration of life, I guess. But, you know, that farewell tour season he had, you know, I don't think I've ever seen anything like, like that. And that comes with respect, right? You know, I think like you said, the whole league really just, they respected him. They respected him as a player and they respected him more as the type of person that he was, you know, to his family and then to his teammates, you know, even the fans, you know, and I think one of the things that 
I admire about Kobe, uh, and this is one thing I kind of I kind of knock LeBron on this a little bit, but you know I think he told he told Vanessa once like oh like I think he's like injured he was injured or something but he could still play and he's he's tells Vanessa you know I'm playing because you know for that kid who saved up to buy a ticket for me in the like the stand standing up room or standing room it's like he would literally play Un- every single game he, he would he would give it at all unless he literally couldn't walk basically yeah, yeah. and it's like I admired I admired that because I'm still that person that saves up to right. to see my favorite player. Yes, yeah. it took me 23 years to see LeBron James. <laughs> I mean, you know, I you know that Mamba mentality, his will to just always be there for others, and you know, especially his family. You know, you really can't take that away from him. Mm-hmm. And I think that kind of goes unnoticed. You know, especially with how great of a basketball player he was. So right, yeah. Tough, tough times, I guess, but you yeah. know, the Mamba will always be remembered. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I thought um, that that's a really good point. He he was never about load management as much as he loved to win. He like he was a just competitor, you know, um, and he would just go after it. But man, I'll tell you to this day, every like once in a while, I'll still watch his last game. Uh, and I still to this day, yeah, get like goosebumps or chicken skin every single time I watch um, that last game because, um, like, I try to, you know, people try to forget that, you know, his later part in the career when they were like <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Basically, the Lakers were terrible. He was a shell of himself at that point just because physically he wasn't all there. With, so just, but if you don't remember that part, honestly, it doesn't make that last game as sweet as it was because, like, people were hoping he could put up 30 points, right, in a night. Um, his body was obviously not what it used to be. He was struggling to, you know, get to the get to the cup and, like, do all this stuff. He, I don't think he was dunking already at that point. Um, but then he comes out and drops 60 and they go ahead to win the game, you know, like that. It was just <clears throat> every time I watch it, I still get like chicken skin. I still like I just get chills every single time I see those highlights. Um, and I always love Gordon Hayward for stepping on the line just in case he missed. <laughs> um, because yeah. that's such a, a tip of the cap, like icing on the cake moment. That's the respect, right? The respect. Kobe. Yep. Yeah. Yep. For him to get 60. Um, and I think even if Kobe missed three times in a row, Gordon Hayward would have stepped on the line every single time. Um, so, yeah, but that's kind of just, yeah, that sums it all up right there. Um, that last game, it was literally like him, because it was all at the same time, him, Jeter, and Peyton all were going out at the same time, right? <clears throat> Jeter was a little bit, a couple years before. Oh, was it before? Oh, okay. But Pey- Peyton's was... Yeah, Peyton's was that year. Yeah, because Peyton's was that year. He won the Super Bowl, went out like that. Uh, Kobe ended on that note, and then Jeter obviously ended on the yeah. – I mean, I know it wasn't his last game, but I, I count it as his last game, right? His last, yeah. like, home game. Let's just the, let's just say when Derek Jeter's uh, time comes up during baseball season, I'll uh, 
have a lot to say on that. <laughs> I was pretty emotional. <laughs> the captain. Yeah, but I think that's a nice little way to put a bow on this this podcast. So uh, thanks again, everyone, for listening. Um, and we will see you next week with our reactions of uh, championship weekend in the NFL. So thanks, and I'll see you guys later.